Hey everybody, it is me, Gina Marie, co-founder of Mixed in the Six, and you are tuning into the Mixed in the Six podcast, sharing stories and building community with my fellow mixed people. Hello, we are here with Cheyenne Sapphire. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. We have my friend, first and foremost, and a dancer, yoga teacher, spoken word artist, and also singer here with us on the Mixed in the Six podcast. I'm so excited. Uh, thank you so much, Gina. I'm so, so excited to be here. It's such a pleasure. I love chatting with you always, and I'm so excited for this. Me too. Me too. And I, I'm just, I have a bunch of questions, but I'll just start with like the, the main things. So you are Jamaican, Scottish, and Romanian, correct? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was it like for you growing up? Tell me. Uh, growing up was, you know, as with all, as with everyone's childhood, like a lot of amazingness and a lot of not. And so growing up being mixed, I always felt like I wasn't black enough to be accepted by the black crew, the black people at my high school and then, or middle school really, you know, middle school, started it started to happen um and then was was like too black for the white people you know and so i actually really connected with people who were mixed so my best friends were all were all mixed i i had other best friends as well but my two best friends were mixed as well because we just understood that we we were different than everyone you know yeah no absolutely did with and with regards to like identity did you always know that you were mixed or identify as being mixed yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I I think for as long as I can remember, I've, I've known I was mixed, but it, it's, it's interesting because my mom is, is white, so she's Romanian and Scottish, and it's Romanian because the borders have changed so much, so it's like we're not really exactly sure going way back like centuries if it's exactly in Romania, just because yeah. the borders switched during the war. There's so much conflict, yeah. Exactly, um, but she grew she's she's white and so she raised me and my dad who's jamaican he's british jamaican i only met him three years ago so Mm -hmm. i didn't have that connection with my jamaican culture and it Mm -hmm. really sucked and it was always this like this like well at least my dad and that's that's a whole other story but like (laughs) we talk about him you know it was we don't we don't talk about him we didn't now we do but um Mm -hmm. my mom definitely like tried to do her best with 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 getting us cultural experiences and you know like we've all played the steel drums we had black dolls we got our hair did we went to caravana you know what I mean but it was just hard not having that from the source and so therefore I felt like something was always lacking within me and that, that I was robbed of something that is very important as any individual, especially as someone growing up in inner city Toronto. And I felt like I didn't have this, like this, this strength almost, this strength in not knowing my father and in not knowing that culture, which has started to change over the past few years. Yeah, I I want to. I'm so well. Thank you for sharing. I was gonna say just from my experience, I grew up with my mom being Filipino, my dad's Canadian. Um, my mom can speak Tagalog, but we didn't really learn much about the culture. So I I feel a little bit disconnected too, having just having known even knowing both my parents. Um, 
You still with me? <laughs> Your internet's kind of I'm coming in and out. I know. I'm sorry about that. I can, I can, I can hear everything you're saying. Okay. okay you perfect. Go. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just keep going. We'll cut this out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we growing up with your, with your mom, how, like, how did you like connect with or resonate with some of the ways that she tried to connect you with your culture, like on your black side? Mm-hmm. Um, like I loved playing the steel drums. I played them for eight years and, uh, that was really important. You know, we listened to reggae. I listened to dance hall as well. So music was a big influence, uh, for me. And my mom also loved, loved that type of music. So she would play it for us. Um, yeah, and I mean, but even even things like with hair, I mean, I feel like that's a whole podcast in itself. I know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but it's like I would always try to, you know, make it make it smaller. Mm-hmm. Like I'd I'd want that like wet look. So I put tons of gel in it so it would like go like this as opposed to big, you know, like afro or just curls. And I yeah, like it was also a lot for her even to deal with my hair out big until I was in high school and I started doing my own hair. So it was always in braids and stuff, but I really appreciated that she connected us through music and we were in a very multicultural school. So that was, that was also a blessing. However, in my school, in my high school, we actually had this colloquial term for the doors that people entered in from. We had black doors and white doors. Like I kid you not, no the teachers would know that's what it was called and if they said okay can you please I don't know for some event come in through the east wing no one would know and go what like black doors or white doors and then they'd go they get all uncomfortable and go the east wing you know the east wing black doors. and they just go okay the, the white doors you know like it because that's where people hung out um and it wasn't you're meaning like- to cl- just to clarify you're talking like the door that black people go through versus yeah. Okay. And how long ago is this? Sorry, if you don't. I know. Have- like, I'm not old. Yeah. I. Oh my gosh. Is, um, I mean, I guys. It was like ten years ago, mm-hmm. like when I was in high school. So, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, people would still. It wasn't like official, as I said. And then there yeah. was Gino tours, and then uh, people just would choose which doors to go through. But it's because the majority of the people who hung out on the steps were For- black on one white and the other and then kind of with my crew and my grade we started to intermingle more so that the white doors became more multicultural Mm -hmm. uh but yeah like people just wouldn't go through those doors so that was also a weird thing and I felt more like for you yeah it it sucked and I and this is this goes back to me not knowing my dad and not knowing my family on this side so I felt like it wasn't something that I earned or like not earned that I had a right to but I knew deep down I I did and it and it was it sucks like it it really did suck I mean thinking back into that time yeah like people like just not being black enough and I'm like what does being black mean because I'm a very artistic uh person who you know got great grades I was like yeah excelling in school excelling in all the arts and um a lot of the people, like, I remember once in art class, I, I said something that was rude mm. uh, to this guy who, who was annoying me, and he's light-skinned as well, and he he said to me, that was the blackest thing I've heard you say, 
And that hurt me so much then. And I've reflected on it since because that was a, a defining moment. And I just thought that is so sad that you think because I said something rude that equates to being black. Whereas I've said hella intelligent things, many artistic things. You know what I mean? I was a well-rounded individual, if I do say so myself. Yeah. And yet that yeah. isn't black. Yeah. Like being broke or getting poor grades is though. And then I thought like, why, like that's fucked up. The definition of what black is or because I eat, like I, I grew up not eating red meat. Like my mom's extremely healthy and mm-hmm. spiritual and whatnot. So because I'm into that, that doesn't make me black, black. even though yeah. Rastafari culture, you know, they don't eat meat. Like, it's just like, I don't understand. There's a disconnect here. Mm-hmm. It's like a very close-minded way of looking at, at culture. And mm-hmm. also I'm kind of curious now, cause you were saying you're kind of getting more in touch with your roots. And I, I feel whenever I see you perform Cheyenne, like you are like, you're not like you're like so enough of all the things I like I'm always mesmerized if that makes any sense (laughs) you're yeah (laughs) you um like just you're very like everything that you do is so diverse it seems like there's lots of like influences from lots of different cultures so I'm kind of curious like how have you connected with your roots and what else do you draw on now as like an adult uh things like Okay, going to Jamaica. I went to Jamaica mm-hmm. for the first time yeah. a few years ago. Um, I I now have a relationship with my dad, which has given me. It's interesting. I feel like there's this support, and I don't mean like I don't mean in a physical way, like through money or through talking all the time or anything like that. But just just this this energetic, literally like a hand like lifting my back up, holding me forward since I've developed this relationship with him that connects with my ancestors. And so I feel through that, like this connection to all the way back, all the way back, you know? And, it, and so with that, it gives me more confidence to even hold a conversation or speak with a group of black people, let's just say. Not that I never, I was never really nervous in life but but just like it enabled me to to feel that support through my lineage so I felt less apprehensive to show my true colors or to be out there you know what I mean in fear Mm -hmm. of getting judged which I felt in high school I felt that I would be judged or I would be too I don't know too white or something and now I'm like yo that's that's bullshit Um, I'm proud of the the things that I offer to the world to also show other mixed people or other people of color you can be so well-rounded you don't have to go this route you know you can you can there's many ways Mm -hmm. there's many ways to be you yeah Mm -hmm. that's beautiful I, I one of the questions I wanted to ask you was where do you feel most at home if that's even a place Kind of. Where do I feel most at home? Wow, that's a that's an interesting question. <laughs> so, in the I, world, like as a place, or or anything, I think just also as because as mixed people, I'll share a little bit about myself. So, because you were talking about like meeting your dad and kind of getting connected with your Jamaican roots and and like really claiming that 
um, now having that connection and going back to Jamaica. Um, for myself, when I went to the Philippines, I felt really a lot more at home than I realized, even though mm. I, but the first time I went there, so my mom's Filipino, my dad's Canadian. The first time I went there, I felt so out of place because I only really knew Canadian culture. And I honestly thought I was white until I was like maybe like four years old or five years old when I was mm. bullied in kindergarten. And then when mm. I went to the Philippines this, this last time in 2018, as a mixed person, I felt so embraced by the Filipino people. Like I would be in the, the tricycles, so the trikes that the yeah, taxis, yeah. like are their taxis. Yeah. And you know, I would be like, oh, you know, my mom's from Isabella. And they would be like, oh, you are a Filipina. And like, they would just like embrace me so much. Whereas in, in Canada, and even around people who are Filipino outside my family here in Toronto mm -hmm. or anywhere else in Canada, people are like, you're not Filipino. You're, you're white or you're, you look Spanish or like, they're not like, they don't like, I'm not, I don't like felt, I didn't really feel embraced. Anyway, my long story coming back to feeling at home is I feel most at home with, you know, with people that I, I think can, can connect with me and being mixed, like at least in a social aspect here in Canada. But when I went to the Philippines, I felt really at home. I felt like I had connected to this like motherland like you were like you were saying that like those are ancestors and whenever i was looking yeah. at like the, the beauty of the country i felt like i'm like you know what this is a place that i belong to and i wasn't expecting that because when i was younger i felt really uh isolated from filipino culture and like asia even though i grew up being told by other kids that i was really asian <laughs> yeah <laughs> Anyway, coming back to you, Cheyenne. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, I want to ask a question though. Did yeah. when you went there, did you feel that you needed to adopt more cultural elements? I love that. Um, you know what? I don't. It's, I can't really say whether there has been a, a time where I felt like I needed to adopt more cultural elements. Did you mean like language or food or yeah, definitely things like that? Like when you went to the Philippines. Well, I think when I went to the Philippines, I just, I had the experience that I had um, and I just became more appreciative and of my culture and my background. But I, and I started to speak the language a little bit. Like I was really proud of myself as, because I was able to manage speaking in Taglish, which is Tagalog and English together. So I was really okay, proud cool. of that. But I think what happened that's most notable in my adult life is that I stopped shaming myself for not knowing stuff about the culture yeah. and not know like sometimes I meet like white people who grew up with more Filipino than Filipino people than I did and they know right. more words in Tagalog than I do and I'm mm -hmm. I used to feel like ashamed of it or if I didn't know all the names of the food dishes even though I love Filipino food um mm -hmm. and all this stuff I'm just I just stopped shaming myself and being like you know what I'm a mixed Filipino Canadian person. I've had my experience. I love the Philippines. I love the Filipino people. I love mixed people and I love being Canadian. And that's just who mm -hmm. I am. And so, so yeah. So I feel kind, you know what? I feel at home in myself now. That's mm -hmm. where I feel home. I didn't feel at home for like the first 30 years of my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say in my heart, like I, I can't, I don't, I don't honestly don't resonate with the per place around the world that is my true home because I'm so 
so because I'm mixed. Although when I went to Jamaica, for sure, I felt that connection where I thought, oh my God, this, these are my people. This is what I've been, this is my home. Like that, yeah, the motherland vibe. Mm -hmm. Totally felt that there. I definitely want to spend a lot more time there as well. I have felt a lot of the shame though, too, with wanting to know more when white people know more and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it is a process definitely of, of letting that go. And letting go of that wrong consciousness and being wrong because it, this was how I was brought up and I am multiple from multiple uh spaces and yeah it's it's beautiful though I love Jamaican food too it's so great you know and I'm excited to just learn more and and meet yeah. more people but mixed people too are the people I resonate with like a lot of my friends are mixed or people who have you know grown up in Saudi Arabia and then lived in Bali and then Canada and then the UK. Like I have one of my best friends is like that, you know? And I'm like, yeah. okay, we got each other, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Where you can't like put anyone in a box. Yeah, exactly. Like mm -hmm. the third, the third culture kids, I think you're speaking about like the people who were like born in one place then went to another place to grow up and then like now live somewhere else. And exactly. even their, their accents are even really yeah. unique too. You're like, are you, <laughs> I, love, I love their accents <laughs> too. Um, this is what about like when people meet you do do they think like what are some of like the reactions that people have towards you around yeah I have gotten a plethora of statements that vary from Hawaiian Indonesian Jamaican a lot of people uh mixed or my favorite what are you mm -hmm. you know i'm human what do you mean like people who feel like they have um, a right to a yeah. speak to me no like and ask <laughs> this one. question you know and say it with that with that tone what are you looking at me as if i'm some specimen just, I, don't, I, don't, I, know. I don't even want to go there <laughs> you know i'm human uh and i mix sometimes sometimes i play around with it when when it's when it's someone who's who's quite rude and you know says says things to me, I'll like play around, mix up a couple of different countries, and then I'll eventually I'll tell them. But you know, I play around yeah. with it. How about your <laughs> I so it's great. What are you? Is the the name of a, a documentary that I was in, uh, produced, directed, and also starring Richard Pierre, a great uh, mixed person and uh, artist. Um, and I said a similar thing. It's like when people ask me, what are you? I say, first, I'm human. I said this, I think I said this in the film. First, I'm human. And then I say, I'm mixed Filipino-Canadian. And then I just kind of leave it at that just to see. And because sometimes people will be like, like when I, tell, when I used to tell people I was Filipino and Canadian, people would look at me, they're like, oh, you're not Filipino though. You know, or, or you're, but then if I said Canadian, they're like, but you're not Canadian, you're not you're not native. And that was always like, that's been an interesting one because my dad is, he's white and he's adopted and he was adopted into a white family, but he is like, he always identified as Canadian. I didn't like, there was no other way that I knew how to be because my grandparents that adopted him, uh, love them. They're both in heaven, okay. Harvey and Genodes. Um, they are like Scottish and English, I think. I actually don't think they even knew because they were so many lines, of, like generations and generations of Canadian. Um, oh. So, so yeah, I, I, I just almost like I, I've gotten 
when I tell people I'm Filipino Canadian, I'll usually, <laughs> I have like five out of 10 people I tell that to will be like, but you're not really Filipino because they'll look at me and I'm pretty fair. And you know, I look, yeah. I look more Spanish to most people. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I get. Yeah. And then, and then Canadian, when I say Canadian, they're like, that you you can't you can't no one can be Canadian but I'm like I right. feel we're all Canadian if we all live here you know mm-hmm. um yeah. so that's what I say to people uh, I I stopped saying I'm half this half that because I I've just started feeling like why do I have to be halves of two things I just want to be right. like a whole person yeah. or I am a whole person um mm-hmm. but yeah that's what I say to people and then, and then just again what people think I am is a lot of people think I'm, yeah, Latina, Spanish, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, sometimes people thought I was Middle Eastern or Nate, I've, I've people thought I was indigenous or Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hawaiian. I, can see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the, I'm like an Island girl at heart, even though I yeah. grew up in the cold <laughs> winter vibes yeah. of Canada. Oh Yeah. Absolutely, me too. <laughs> so, Cheyenne, you're an amazing dancer, trained. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about like how it was like being like a person of color in the dance world, because I, I feel like that could have had some interesting, <clears throat> unique experiences. Mm-hmm. It it really did. Uh, so I grew up dancing all different styles: jazz, tap, ballet, modern, contemporary, belly dance salsa hip-hop and the how many people of color were there in the studio maybe a few people from asian descent and i remember there was two other mixed girls no black kids in the studio that i went to i actually got a scholarship to do the amount of classes that i did because my parents couldn't afford it and that was a whole thing in terms of just getting secondhand clothes and stuff where all the other people, you know, were wearing these new leotards, new tights. But one of the most uh, sad and difficult things was wearing white or skinned, um, like pink colored ballet tights. And I wore that for like 15 years of my life, you know? And then it wasn't until actually, a couple of years ago that I realized that, you know, took that in and just thought, wow, that is so not okay. And that I lived through that. And I remember what I'd be putting them on in a change room with my white ballet friends who are there. And I just see, you know, my caramel skin just get covered with this pink. So my legs are pink and my whole upper body is brown. Mm-hmm. So that looks tweaked anyways. Like, it doesn't, you know, it's not, it doesn't, it's not, work you know Um, and yeah it sucked and every time I just think this is so like when I I remember that one moment when I was really realizing that and like looking at all the other friends who are there and they're white and then them putting it on and I just thought wow that's that's weird but I kind of Mm -hmm. let it go because I was still a dancer and I had to you know I couldn't change it or I didn't think I could I don't know I didn't it wasn't a part of my I just didn't think about it again until much later in my growth. Uh, yeah, so that was definitely hard. I mean, the hair was hard as well. We would do, you know, routines where we'd want our hair back in a ponytail, and then mine was the was always the one that was short or curly, and they would 
want to straighten it or have big curls for a photo shoot or a performance that we did. And I was always the odd one out because I didn't straighten my hair and I didn't want to. And so it sucked that there, there wasn't that uh, union mm-hmm. or, or like allowance of, of blossoming for my hair. You know, what if everyone had to curl their hair instead of straightening yeah. hair, you know? To, uh, so yeah, that was definitely frustrating. There weren't any people of color teachers. There was one Asian teacher. She was amazing. <laughs> she was great. Uh, yeah, but it, it was difficult. The tights was not okay. Yeah. No, I'm, that's, it's so interesting because as chill, like when we're kids, we can realize that there's like things that are happening that are not okay particularly Mm -hmm. around like why was there always like there was always blonde Barbies I never had a a a darker skinned (laughs) doll ever um yeah yeah no no I I know I actually was like why don't we have that but I guess that's just we're like down here but that's actually something that I remember I had to internalize and had to work through (laughs) in all my therapy and coaching um um but sort of back to what you're saying, like in the dance world, it's so it's so important to be like perfect and to be following mm-hmm. the rules and doing the technique right, and then um, you know the, having the the costume and everything like perfect. But everything is tailored to light skin and not mm-hmm. for dark skin or, or any other skin tone. So yeah. I'm I'm thinking I'm just reflecting on things that I've seen on the internet, but I feel like that has changed a little bit. And I'm curious to know if you're, if you're familiar with any of those like changes with color and I know like the point shoes. Yeah. Like point. Yeah, exactly. Point shoes as well. And I'm like, why? I didn't even, I just thought ballet tights are pink. And then, you know, and then seeing it and thinking, oh, it's pink because their skin is pink. (laughs) Like, not because it's supposed to be pink or like this white. Like, I just thought that was why. I didn't understand that it was about skin tone, you know, same with the shoes. And um, I know that I'm not really too sure with the, I I think with the tights, like when I was older, I would would wear the beige tights. Um, In jazz, we always wore beige tights. That's also an interesting thing, Mm -hmm. like in jazz class we were beige I don't know if that's because jazz originated from black people like I don't know you know Um, yeah uh (laughs) know that history but I know with with bras and with underwear and things that you'd wear underneath leotards or just in general lingerie you know has really changed uh in that way yet most I mean, so I think nowadays it's more accessible, but I know that for a long time, it, it's been more niche uh, companies that provide it. So it's more expensive, you know, or then you have to order it from somewhere. You don't know the size. It's not everywhere. Not goes along with band-aids. I hate that band-aids are this color. And that is something I realized too later in life because I just didn't, I just thought band-aids are pink. Like I didn't get it that it was supposed to blend Mm -hmm. into. And I actually was doing my yoga teacher training and my Danish friend who's super pale, blonde, blue-eyed, had dark black band-aids on. And I just, and then it clicked for me in that moment. And I just thought, oh my God, these are supposed to blend into your skin. And she was doing it as a statement. And saying, yeah, I, I, or I buy these to say, you know, to, to make a stand, take a stand for people of color. And 
that, that this is the normalized skin tone, you know? And I thought that was so beautiful that she did that. And they're also less accessible. They're more expensive. You know, they're not in shoppers. I haven't seen them. I haven't checked in the last, you know, eight months, but they haven't been there. They're not in the, nor in the, in the grocery store, the convenience store. You have to get them in a specialized place. And that, again, is just putting us down and keeping us in this uh, secondary stature. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree completely. And it's sim similar to, I'm going back to Barbies, just because that was like all, also something that I grew up with. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Now that they've made like Barbies who are like dolls and other um, like kids toys, like more representative for more like cultures and different um, skin tones. It's like now the big thing. It's, it's, it's like they have to highlight it as like, look at something we are doing. And it's like, well, you know what? That would have been great. <laughs> A long ass time ago. Yeah, but I, but I still like I'm excited for it, and it's great, and I'm glad, I, and I totally support it. It's just also, um, I mean, I think we should make a big deal about this, but it's also in the same way, like it shouldn't be a big deal, you know? That makes sense. It shouldn't be a big deal because it should just be normal that yeah. we're all considered normal, like that the that the pale, like when people say skin tone, and they show me a bra that's pale and like this is not skin tone mm -hmm. I don't know whose skin tone you're talking about it's not mine so what well, you know what I mean I hate that it's like call it then or they say nude mm -hmm. it's not new not new yeah. for me that, that, that that's rude that's a slap in the face saying that this is the normalized oh, and everything nude. else is or yeah. is you know something that is only an external um external outlier yeah absolutely well one day <laughs> hopefully they'll have all the different colors of panty. Yeah. And when it does, I, I will take a photo of it and send you. I'm like, look, <laughs> they yes. got, they got us all. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, and so you're a dancer. You're also many other things. I've, I've actually gone to your tantric uh, dance class, the blindfold mm -hmm. one. Um, yeah. And I've also done another one where it was like a, more of like we did kind of like a choreographed dance. Anyway, they're amazing. Anyone who's listening, please go to Cheyenne's classes. Um, I felt so empowered and I felt like I felt very healed. I felt there was a, a part of my like femininity and sexuality particularly that was healed during the blindfolded dance class. And I remember you told us a little bit about your story and how you got into it. And I think, you know, whether this has anything to do with being mixed or not, I would just love to hear more about like what inspires you to kind of bring the tantric teachings into dance and yoga and to anyone who gets the bless, blessing of being in your orbit. Oh. <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you so much for saying that. That, that's, that really means a lot to me. And, you know, that's, that's where it does come from, though, in, in it, seeing other women who have struggled, who, who do feel disempowered, maybe all the time, maybe sometimes, who feel like they don't have a voice or that they you know, lack something, yeah. then notice that shift and that transformation in their body, in their cells, in their mind, and step into their highest self or into their life's purpose. That is such a gift for me to see. And that's why I share these practices. So I've developed a, a tantric activation, essentially, where I incorporate my learnings from tantra with breath work and 
dance and yoga and I move, I fuse them all together into a, in a space where we can raise our energy and, and feel alive and, and feel life force energy coursing through us. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's my story with the blindfold. I started doing that, um, in 2018, in January, 2018, I was really heartbroken, depressed. I, I actually have scoliosis, so I have chronic back pain and I would go on social media all the time and would feel so unworthy of anything like of love of of six monetary success of pursuing my dreams of calling myself an artist anything like I just had a lot of self-loathing I would compare myself to other women who also were not mixed or black so I there was a part of that too I was comparing myself to white women who were living their dreams successful you know monetarily successful I like to say and uh I started putting on the blindfold to literally cut out all distractions and to connect with myself and with source. And I started doing it and, you know, hours would go by and I'd just be in the blindfold and I'd go, holy shit, I thought only an hour went by or 20 minutes and here I am, you know, I'd cry all the time. I was purging, releasing a lot. And then I started teaching blindfold yoga just to help people get present and really feel into their bodies because we don't need to compare ourselves to the person on the mat beside us, you know, we're, we do that enough in life. Yoga is not the place for that. <laughs> and then one day I was filming for this yoga class. Cause I, I used to teach yoga. I don't anymore, but um, I started, I put on the blindfold and there was this thunderstorm and the lightning was going off and the camera was already on. I was about to just do a flow and film it. And then I just let it out and I started dancing and clapping my hands and shaking and sounding, opening my throat chakra. And I just went off. And then I took off the blindfold and I felt so much energy. I just got a shock going through me and I felt so alive and powerful because I didn't give a fuck who was looking. I didn't care. I didn't. And I was so expressive and I just thought, wow, I need to teach this. And so then I started teaching that and then developed it, added Tantra in it so, so we could as women explore and explore our, our sexual creative life force energy that has nothing to do with the male gaze. And that is all about our own self-worth and empowerment. I'm going to take a moment here. I, I literally, I'm like, I forgot any of the questions I was going to ask because I was just mesmerized. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, I think all women, all of us, right? Growing up, we are so many of us deal with feelings of like self-worth or feeling like that lack of self-love. Like I, I know uh, me as a, just a human being and as a woman, but also growing up feeling like isolated from different parts of me and feeling like less than just because I, I grew up in a, a, like a small white town, lovely people, but I always felt like I was just like over here, you know, yeah, as a totally. podcast for another day. But I, I, I have felt that in doing more of this like inner work where I can ex really express myself and it step into that like empowered divine feminine really just takes yeah. me like, to a whole new realm of feeling that self-love and, and that connection to, mm -hmm. to me. And so I, again, go to your, everyone needs to go to your class. <laughs> and I you. love it. I love it. Oh, um, when can people like connect with you and how can people kind of get more involved in some of the, the teachings that you have coming up? Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear from anyone. Just 
in, in general, anything that resonated with you, anything that you're curious about uh, in this world of transformation and, and awakenings. And you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram account is at Cheyenne Sapphire. And I'm sure we'll connect it somehow through this. Oh, yeah. And then I'm also doing a online, it's called a class creatrix. And it is the divine woman goddess who weaves her reality by using her sexual and creative life force energy as it comes through her body and out into the world. And so the first class, our first course that I'll be doing is an intro to tantric dance. And that begins on June 1st. So I'm choosing a few women. I want to keep it intimate to participate in this. And it's, it's not just dance though, right? We use that as the tool to elevate through all these other things of tantra, breath work, meditation, et cetera, self-love rituals. Uh, so I'd love to share that with you. And yeah, it's June 1st. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh man. Um, well, I consider me signing up. <laughs> Yeah, I also while we're on the topic, because I, I just think it's also what I I'm also hopeful for this platform to to share is is not just stories um about like our mixed identities, but but also of how people learn something new. Like with tantric, I think a lot of people think that it's just sex or it's like tantric sex. You mm -hmm. could like tell me and anyone who's listening, like what it really is. Mm -hmm. So definitely has misconceptions, especially mm -hmm. in the West, because we are addicted to mm -hmm. this sex being, uh, you know, heterosexual and penetrative thing that we get obsessed about. Uh, so it's not about that at all. <laughs> um, so Tantra means weft and warp. So if you envision a, a weaving, like a, a loom, and, and your the thread goes in and out, in and out, and it's this dance of polarities uh, which come together and unite and fusion and then also get expelled from one another and then go like this. So if you think about polarities, there's polarities everywhere in life. There's hot and cold, there's dark and light, there's fast and slow, there's being black and white. Right. I was just going to say. <laughs> there's like all of it and then you got to mix in the middle, uh, right? And so it's, it, that's what it's about. It's this dance of energy. And so you can Play, play around with these dances of energy in your own body as an individual. And you can also do it, you know, with friends in a non-sexual way, but you can play with this energy and it's, it's really fun and it's really beautiful. And why people also state that, you know, everything in like why Tantra is, is so sexual, it's because everything in life, when you think about it, is a sexual act in the way from if you think about the Big Bang, A, let's think about that word Big Bang, but also it's this attraction, right, of particles that come together and then there's an explosion that occurs. And so everything in life has um, like chemical reactions, right? That is alchemy. This, this, they meet together and they'll shift into something else. You know, you put the computer down on the table and there's a relationship between the computer and the table. And that relationship, you know, is a sexual relationship just because it creates something new. You know, mm -hmm. that means Creation. the weight on the table is different or like whatever it is, something shifts in the chemistry of it. So everything in life is sexual, but not sexual in the way like porn or, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. sex in a physical way. Mm -hmm. That's so amazing. And that's so interesting because I 
remembered something that you said from your coffee house performance. You last year, yeah. Diane, you performed at, uh, in, this is 2019, we did a, a coffee house and you, one of my favorite parts was like, why do I love rainbows so much? Because they don't make sense. I, I think I even remember you doing this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you made reference to like two opposite forces or two opposite elements coming together. Yeah. Wow. I'm so honored and touched that you remembered that. And also that was only a year ago. I know. I know. Yeah. That was our last like in-person event. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I know. It feels like I've known you longer, but. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a piece that I I really love and it's about being mixed race. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, yeah, that's funny. I had been into Tantra and done like read a lot of books and had gone to a course then, but it's, it's my whole path has just kind of skyrocketed since then as well. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a piece about just my connection to things that don't make sense in general, even foods or, or fashion, you know, when, when people will pair, I don't know, a pair of earrings with this or a fancy shirt with slouchy jeans, like let's just, pretend you know what I mean and I love when people do that and I realize that it's come from my myself and being Mm -hmm. this mix of two different things and then I've noticed my tastes are are so are are so different in terms of the mix of things yeah amazing which is also brings me to your music okay and I'm, I'm gonna get this right hold on you have described your music as okay don't hold on spoken word meets soul meets contemporary dance or if that's something about your performance so it's like all those things yeah yeah I know because it's another thing like who am I you know (laughs) being mixed and all these things like that's been a journey as well Mm -hmm. like when I was teaching yoga full-time and just not knowing like how to uh, unify these aspects of myself. And then I just had to keep shedding, letting go of the shame of what uh, category I need to be placed in. And then I just finally realized I, I don't, I'm not being put in any category. I'm creating my own. Yes. And so that's come out through my art and my performances and my music. So I actually started doing spoken word because I have scoliosis and I couldn't pursue dance in the way that I wanted to in terms of a company or I don't know like being in going to LA and doing dance there or something so I thought I have this burning desire in me you know to perform because I know it's one of my soul callings and I have to do it so I thought how can I create something where I can dance sometimes but not enough to like really hurt myself so I started writing and I started doing spoken word um so yeah, I don't know why everything in my life just keeps turning to like, you gotta add this and mix this and make it work, you know, that's just what I've been, what I've been given and what I've worked with. Mm -hmm. So I started mixing that. And then with the singing, I thought, like, I used to sing when I was in high school and middle school and elementary school. I don't know why I'm going backwards like that, but yeah, I used to sing. And um, I stopped in university and I, I wasn't, I was mainly the dancer, you know, when I, when I grew up, I spent most of my hours after school activities doing that, but I still sang. So it's kind of my secondary thing. So I was also nervous to say I'm a singer because I didn't want to, you know, step on toes of someone 
who actually trains all the time, like an opera singer or something. That was my own unworthiness also speaking through. Uh, so I just started to add singing to it. And now I have more songs that are singing, but I'm just, I'm just creating my own thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I love it. Your song, I got a sneak peek, yeah. it dessert or no, des- desert, desert. Okay. Sorry. Um, it like, I, when I listened to it recently, it was also very mesmerizing and it was like a mix of everything. It was like rock, it also sounded like reggae a little bit. And then it yeah. also had like some spiritual vibes. Like yeah. so it had a lot going on. I'm, I'm also just curious to hear like when, when people experience your, your performance and your, because I feel you're also like, you're a performer. That's mm-hmm. so when I saw you when you were at the coffee house, it was the first time I had seen you perform. I, I was like in the corner, like, yes, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> it's, yeah. you're, like you're, you're a born performer. And so to my question, when, when you, what do you want people to feel when they see you perform and hear your music and like interact with your art? Transformation mm. to another realm where the, anything is possible. <laughs> Incredible. <Yeah. laughs> so speaking of next realm, what's like, what else is next for you? What do you see? Like mm-hmm. for you, so yeah, we'll start with you. What do you see? What's you up next for for you and what you're creating and like where you see yourself going? So after this course that's coming up, I am going to be well. I'm starting to produce my own music. So I, you know, got a program on my computer. I'm I'm in the process of buying a keyboard. I also have a loop pedal and a MIDI board. So I've started adding that into my live performances since we've last. Uh, last talked and I want to start producing my music and that's gonna start in a week where I'll just be learning but I want to learn you know and take my time uh to do that so I'll definitely you know go on a class online where I can learn to do this and also be working with producers who I've worked with before like the one who helped me with that song and then I'll be producing an EP I am really excited about that. I think we're just gonna, or we're just gonna put out a few singles at first. So, you know, to get the momentum going and stuff and see how that is. But I really wanna do a music video for that song, for Desert, but I wanna do it in California because that's where uh, I had my, the song's about, it's a story uh, when I had my Kundalini awakening a year ago in Joshua Tree National Park when I was like, I love uh, Joshua Tree. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. so magic and ancient. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was extremely, it was the most spiritual event so far of my life. So I want to go there and, and film that. It all depends when we're, you know, able to travel again. So yeah. I'd like to film that. And in the meantime, produce another track with my producer. And, and as I'm doing that, start learning how to produce myself. Yeah. So multi-talented. Thanks. <laughs> uh, just because I think the music piece is also key because we're going to be hopefully hearing more of you soon. Yeah. What, what are like some of your like cultural influences into your music? I was kind of curious to hear about that. Uh, ooh. And I know that it's probably a, a whole list, <laughs> maybe a whole list. Mm-hmm. Or hard to define. It's in general or from my, like from where I'm from? In, where you're from in general? Yeah. Because when I was listening to the song, it was, there was just a, so much there and it was so interesting. 
Yeah, I get a lot of inspiration from, wow, I don't, like, yeah, there's, there's so many. I mean, I've traveled a lot too, so all around the world. I think that also adds to why there's such a mix, mishmash. Like, I've lived in multiple countries and I've traveled around the world. Um, I get influenced by a lot of tribal drums and that like from Africa is especially um and I get influenced from even like the swag in Jamaica and just how people how people style themselves in terms of I remember when I went there and even the poorest person on the street had so much swag and like felt you could just feel the coolness oozing out of him you know yeah. or her and I was like damn like I love that I get inspired by eastern music by Indian sitar and the you know the tabla and uh, I grew up listening to a lot of uh, Spanish guitar as well. So um, a lot of jazz, like I like so many different things. Um, a lot of hymns as well. Yeah. <laughs> you really can't put you in a box for sure. <laughs> I'm also traveling. That's it. So I, I spoke a little bit about like traveling to the Philippines. I have haven't been to that many places, but I hope to be. Um, as a like, as a mixed person of color, like how have you experienced like different cultures around the world, or have you noticed people kind of reacting to you di differently depending on what country or region you're in? Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time, it's great. Uh, mm -hmm. They love me. Like everywhere I go, because I'm not the standard white traveler to, mm -hmm. to be frank um and so because of, of my skin tone as well I've traveled a lot to third world countries as well um, and a lot in Central America uh Mexico I mean Asia really all over but so they they I feel like they see me and receive me as someone different because I've also struggled you know mm -hmm. and, I, and they, they get the race thing and I get it. So there's always an acknowledgement. I feel like I'm treated very differently. Uh, in, in some cases, like even being welcomed into, you know, people's homes or, or hanging out with the, the people on a real level. I remember once when I was 16 and I was in South Africa, this was in a township though. So it was a, it's a very specific place. But I remember a child there asked me uh, like about my skin tone and why I was this color and I was explaining to her and I said that my dad was black and my mom was white and her her answer her question literally was why like she couldn't understand it but that obviously has different connotations because okay. it's Africa and yeah. it's history and um, but yeah it was in, that was that was like the one it was obviously a defining moment as well but other than that it's been pretty it's been pretty great yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you been back to Romania or Scotland or oh, like, actually. I guess back or have you ever been? No, I haven't. I haven't been yet. I would like to go. Um, it's, it's, a, it's three generations back. Yeah. Three generations back. So my mom or my grandparents didn't, weren't from there. Right. Uh, but I would love to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found out my dad is actually Welsh and so like on the white side, my dad is Welsh and French. Huh. Those are the predominant. And I, I, again, I would still identify as being Canadian, but I'm kind of curious, like, you know, maybe I'll go to France or, yeah, <laughs> or go to Wales and like check it out and see how I feel. Because I guess 
despite me like growing up mostly Canadian, I, I do, I do feel this like stronger connection and pull to the Filipino part of me that like that kind of made me, yeah. that made me different growing up, which was yeah. like a thorn in my side at some, sometimes, but it also, after when I started to embrace myself, I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm unique. <laughs> so I always kind of felt more connected to that, but I, I am curious to kind of dig a little bit deeper to kind of understand my European roots because I, mm-hmm. I don't want those to get lost either. Mm-hmm. I, I heard Wales is really beautiful, but I also resonate with what you're saying. And it, it makes sense from my understanding to connect more with your Filipino side because you've also been targeted as something different. So you have experienced the collective suffering that mm-hmm. people from the Philippines have experienced or being an outsider or being Asian or, or being different, you know, has, has felt. So there is that union, you know, mm-hmm. despite it being on a, on a pain body, there's still a union there. Whereas maybe with the other side, it's not like you were like, Oh, you're white, come into our club or get paid more, you know, that didn't happen. So, yeah. So it's different. Yeah. And no, that's beautifully said. And I think it, even though, you know, having experienced like you know, pain or negative things growing up, it's still, as I'm growing older and more wiser, I'm realizing that like that these, these shared experiences connect us. And when we can find other people who or you know, find other people that can connect and resonate, we can start to like heal that and, and, and use it as a way of moving us forward and to, um, just be more in community. Cause I, that was also why mix and the six has been such a, a strong, like passionate thing for me is just being able to look at someone and be like, yeah, I, I I, I get you. <laughs> yeah. and, and I can say that to people that are not just mixed Filipino and like white people, but like other people as well, right? I can really connect with that. What you were saying, I can know if you said like the collective pain or mm, pain yeah. body. Mm. Bringing it back. What is the biggest like blessing of being mixed? Mm. If there is one. <laughs> Kind of pulling it all together. Mm-hmm. Well, that you're tied, you're connected to so many different things. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love being pegs. Like it's great. You're just like you. You have connections to both sides, and it's it's or is it not sides? Like I don't know. You're just you're you have you've access to 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 more culture to more growth to more you know it's like instead of one garden you, you're connected to two yeah to a few more and then I think the more the more diverse an ecosystem is too the the healthier it is right and so same with your network your friends everything it's like that that's great yeah the more all the colors of the rainbow <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like when I when I moved to Toronto, like that's when I actually started to have friends who A, were mixed and then like B, <laughs> were like yeah. people of color. And now like, and growing up, I was the only, like one of the only people in my school who were, who was like not yeah. right. Yeah. Like I have, I, and I'm, I, my other friend who <laughs> in my class, who was Indian, who are still friends today. Like it was just like her and I actually oh my God. Up, through all of our, our school years. 
Um, so living in a place like Toronto, I feel like it's such a, a blessing to be around so many different cultures and to be able to connect and understand. I, I think as a mixed person, I, I, I agree with you. I'm also in that space where I feel like I, um, I have a greater appreciation for this is my experience. I don't know for us and for, and for you as well, but it doesn't mean for everybody, but I think I have just a greater appreciation for culture and a greater curiosity of mm. like for food and, and culture and language and traditions. Like I, I kind of approach so much more stuff with openness because I had always wanted that. And I never felt like I was in one's I never felt like I was a part of one culture. I always kind of felt like I was a part of a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Wow. <laughs> awesome. um, last question for you. Okay. If you could say something to your younger self, what would it be? Take your time. You have nothing to fear. You are perfect just the way you are. Believe in yourself and you are right. Magic does exist. <laughs> yeah. Love. <laughs> magic. Well, you are magic, Cheyenne. Everything you create is magic. I'm so, so happy to have you on the podcast yeah it's been such a pleasure thank you so much I, I see this soaring I see you blooming in this and I love connecting with you I'm excited to connect when social distancing is done and I have so much love for you I love you yes. thank you I love you too and also anyone out there including myself please sign up for <laughs> your course Thank you. And actually, I wanted to know, is it online or is it in person? I feel like it's online. It's online. Okay. Yeah. So there's information on my website as well, but yeah, well, it's like, um, um, there's lots of different things in it. It's, it's super juicy. <laughs> I love it. Cheyenne, again, you're amazing. Thank you for sharing your story and all of your inspirations and all of your work and just super excited to see you keep soaring and transforming and entering all those realms. We'll be right there with you. Thank you so much. You too, babe. I'm so excited. <laughs> Lots of love. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Mixed in the Six podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. And if you do, do not forget to subscribe, comment, and share the love to keep bringing more stories, insights, and cool perspectives from the mixed community. And if you or someone you know is a fellow mixie and want to share your unique story, and are up to awesome stuff we want to hear from you for a potential feature. Look below in the show notes for more info. Much love to you and see you soon. Mixing up the world every day. I'll bow that I'm a say I'm young, half black and proud.